You can turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 22 to 27. You can also follow along up on the screen. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Colin. Good morning, everyone. And I'm glad you're here today. If you're uh, visiting with us today, a very warm welcome to you, maybe from another church. Uh, delight to have you in our midst this morning. It's an important day to remember, a uh, hundred years after the conclusion of uh, World War I. Uh, to remember today, I'm so grateful for the two minutes of silence just to reflect and to give thanks for the freedom that we have in our country. We look around the world today and there's such pain and turmoil and struggle and war and terrorism and uh, Canada has been relatively free from all of that and let's pray that uh, as we walk with God that uh, this will continue in our country. Well, we've been in a study of James. Uh, if you're new to us, uh, we're, we've been in a study of James for a number of weeks uh, and we've, uh, we're, we're calling it Keeping It Real. Uh, last Sunday, we talked about the whole theme of a long obedience that comes out of allowing the Word of God to settle into your heart, to plant the Word of God into your heart, to receive it, and then for it to be an environment in which uh, the Word of God can grow. Uh, and uh, so there are things that we can do, namely, I'm active listeners. I'm not sure if this is my... Uh, Okay, let's pray that that works. <laughs> uh, that we become active listeners to the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> that we become slow to speak, more focused on, on hearing than on speaking, uh, th that we, we deal with the wax that accumulates, not in our ears, but in our hearts, uh, and that day by day we humbly accept the Word of God into our hearts. Uh, and we do our best. We talked about that magical eraser at the exit door. Uh, somehow when we just go through that door, there's a magical eraser that just kind of tries to neutralize everything you've heard about the Word of God in your life and then actually taking that Word and putting it into, into practice. So that's where we're at. And James, the writer, is like an engineer on a train. He's guiding us down the tracks, mindful that we don't take a detour, and end up in no man's land. He's going to guide us past uh, three junctions, and uh, he's going to pull the whistle at every junction and urge us to stay on board with him till we get to our destination. Actually, James makes it very easy to stay on track with him uh, because the whistle stops are pretty easy to identify. First of all, there is a command. That's uh, the first whistle stop. 
And the second is an illustration, and James knows that if he can paint a little picture for us, that we might be able to integrate this truth more easily into our lives. And then the third whistle stop is application. Now that I think of it, it kind of sounds like a sermon, doesn't it? Hats off to James. Uh, there's a command, and there's an illustration, and there's an application. So let's climb on board with James and get the train going here. First of all, the command. James says, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. Uh, Charles Swindoll wrote a book many years ago. It was a very popular book called Improving Your Serve. It's probably three decades ago now. <clears throat> but he describes a man in that book who was the head of a large business uh, organization, and he had to leave the country for six months, 12 months. And uh, there were many employees. This is a large company. He had a, a, a great VP to continue on. And so the company was going great guns. And uh, as the owner left and went to Europe, he wrote back and he tried to encourage and see how things were going and to give them some marketing strategies. And finally, after close to 10 months, the, it was time for the owner to come back home to the United States. And as he entered uh, the corporate headquarters, the, the business center, he noticed how lackadaisical everything had become in the organization. I mean, the waste paper baskets hadn't been emptied and carpets hadn't been, hadn't been vacuumed and things had just kind of deteriorated and people were lazing around and he finally found his VP who was having a game of chess with another guy in the back room. And the owner said, what's going on, man? And the guy said, well, what do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh, yeah. We, we got every one of them. In fact, like we have letter study every Friday evening. Those were awesome letters. No, we got your letters. In fact, we divide into small groups. And, and, and we discuss many of the things that you wrote. You have some very interesting thoughts. And you'll be pleased to know that some have actually committed to memory some of your paragraphs, some of your strategic sentences. And actually one or two, and they, they memorized an entire letter that you sent. Great stuff in those letters. And the owner said, okay, okay, so you got my letters, you studied them, you meditated upon them, you even memorized them, but what did you do about them? Do with them? Well, like, we didn't do anything about them. Now, it's just a story. It's just a story. But I know that if you were the owner of a thriving business, and this were actually true, and you came home to this kind of scenario, you would be hopping mad because this is your investment. You have a lot at stake here. You put a lot of trust in your people. And you would say with James, I know exactly what you're saying. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Have you ever audited a, a course at university or college or 
perhaps seminary. You know, auditing is a lot of fun compared to actually taking the course for credit. There are definitely some perks to auditing. One is the tuition typically is a little bit uh, lower. Most significantly, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. And while your classmates are fretting over putting all those papers together and writing those exams, I mean, you got your feet up and you're just whistling Dixie and enjoying the classes. And you don't have the stress of all of that work. Auditors, you see, are mainly hearers of the instruction. They just sign up for the class, they show up for the classes, and that's all they have to do. And some take notes, but that's optional. Some read the textbook, but that's optional. Auditors are not in it for course credit because they're merely hearers of the instruction. They're not the doers. Now, I know, like you do, that we live in the information age. If there was ever a generation that had, has access to information, you have never found a generation like this one. This is absolutely amazing. You can have an answer to some of the toughest academic inquiries in just minutes with trusty old Google. And I have noticed it so much in sermon preparation through the last decades that every year the amount of material that you can read or the research that you can do is just the, the access to information is incredible. But have you noticed that there's something else going on in our generation? People are not overly concerned to attend a church that just pumps out information. Because no longer is, is information a novelty. There's information everywhere. You could be looking up information right now. Don't do it. But you could be researching anything right now. You could be just Googling away. So simply to pump out information is not the best reason for, for the church to exist. I mean, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be teaching the Word. I, I'm not saying that at all. But just saying it's not all about teaching. It's not all about information. It's about transformation. And our generation, praise God, is really concerned to experience transformation. Interesting shift going on. Attractional churches have turned a corner. I mean, uh, they used to be the rage. Attractional churches. Where is it today? Let me have an experience with God that will change the trajectory of my life. Let me experience God as I come to church that I will know Him and it will impact me and it will change the direction in which I'm going. Transformation. When I come to church, I want to meet God. I want to know Him. I want to hear Him. And it's not just about hearing Him, it's about experiencing Him and obeying Him. And that's my prayer for all of us at TCC and over at Southwest Community Church that we open our hearts so wide, humbly, and we ask God to teach us and show us His heart, show us His way, and that we have the, we have the heart ourselves to follow and to obey. 
Anything less is deluding ourselves. Otherwise, as James said, you're only fooling yourself. There are two reasons as to how we can be deceived or we can fool ourselves. Number one is, is thinking that listening all by itself will do the trick. That can be deceiving. Listening all by itself can be deceiving. Deceive means to misunderstand. You see, the Word of God can actually warm your heart without ever moving your soul. And the Word of God can inform your mind without transforming your life. And the Word of God can educate the reader but not cleanse the reader from sin. The Word has the potential to make a person theologically smarter, biblically more informed, and apologetically savvy. And yet, while that person continues to grow in their mind, they can be left unchanged in their heart, immature, and unloved. And so that can be dangerous and deceiving. You may think you're down the road a little further than you really are because you have collected bundles and bundles and binders of information. I happened to come upon uh, 1 Corinthians 8 this week, and I thought, oh, this is so dead on. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 8, 3. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. And certainly, as you know, I'm not advocating against growing in our understanding of the Word. That is so important to read and study because we need the Word to keep us between the ditches and, and help us stay on the main road. Otherwise, we're not sure where we're going, and the, the Word of God is that important guide for us. There's another <clears throat> reason why we can be deceived, and that is that listening by itself does not lead to life change. Listening by itself doesn't lead to life change. Listening alone or auditing only does, does, not, does not necessarily lead to life transformation. Uh, if I want to get to a certain address in Mill Woods, and I don't know Mill Woods all that well, and I don't know how to get there, I do what you do. I just pop in the address into, into Google Maps, uh, and I listen to this awesome British voice uh, guide me right to the house. You see, the Bible is powerful but not magical. Having head knowledge won't in itself bring the life change. But if you actually get in your car and you say, Mr. Google, lead me to my destination, you will get there. Now, if you're like me, it's often recalculating, 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 but you will get there, usually. Well, we won't go there. You will get to your destination. My life will change when I hear the word and I say, Father, by your strength, I'm going to walk in this direction. I'm going to obey and take action. So that's the first whistle stop, the command. Now I want you to see the illustration. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you 
for doing it. So James gives us an illustration of, of the command in the, in the previous verse. Now, I'm pretty sure that I'm dead right here. I'm pretty sure I know what 100% of you did this morning. We all did it. Chances are very, very high that we all looked in the mirror. You got up this morning, looked in the mirror, scared yourself, and saw some bad bed hair. And you grabbed the, the brush, and uh, you went to work. And you, you did something uh, with what you saw. And then when the mirror finally said, okay, you're free to go, uh, it's not going to get any better than this, then you walked away from looking in the mirror. But what if you looked in the mirror this morning and you didn't do anything about it? You just said to the mirror, well, that's the way I am. you got to deal with that. Well, in the essence, it's the rest of us that would have to deal with that. Wouldn't it be nice if Pastor Ken would actually comb his hair before coming to church? You, you walk away, you forget what you look like, and uh, you just go on with life. Does anybody have a mirror here this morning? Did anybody just happen to have a mirror? I'll bet you do, yes. Some of the women have mirrors. And you know, we actually probably all have a mirror here this morning because now we're taking our smartphones and just reversing the picture with our cameras, and we've got a mirror right with us day by day by day. You know, God wants us to look in the mirror. He wants us to gaze into the Word, and not just glance at it and walk away. He wants us to actually study it, to carefully look into the mirror. Lectio Divina is a century-old method of Bible study designed to create lasting spiritual change in the lives of followers of Jesus Christ. And the, the great thing about this is it's not about more and more information. It's about reading in order to receive and experience transformation. It's not about accumulating a whole bunch of knowledge. It's about generating change. It's not about gazing. Uh, it, it, it's not about glancing. It's about gazing. So lectio means reading. Divina means divine. So in other words, it's divine reading or sacred reading of the scriptures. And it's a, it's a wonderful four-step process. First of all, reading, just taking a short passage of Scripture and reading very uh, slowly, one word at a time, allowing it to sink in. And then secondly is meditation, just really thinking about that verse of Scripture, just asking, what was Paul saying? What did Jesus mean here? And just slowly turning that, that word or that verse over in your mind and heart, <clears throat> And then there's prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's gazing, not glancing, meaning taking the time to listen as well as to speak. And here's an amazing discovery. If you listen, God will speak to you. Frankly, people say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. Uh, 
such people have probably never really invested a great time, deal of time in listening. And I'm not referring to an audible voice, but when God speaks, it's usually not in an audible voice. It's much louder than that. He speaks through his word. And as you pray and as you listen, you ask God, what are you wanting to say to me today? And you wait for his spirit to show you, mostly through his word, what he wants you to know. And amazingly, how God puts something before you after you have waited, after you have gazed, and you begin to have some insight, and you begin to have a word that comes into your mind. You begin to have a, a sense of, ah. And maybe the whole light isn't shed, just a little bit of light and a little bit of light and more light as the, as the weeks and months go by. But after you slow the RPMs, you begin to hear the voice of God. Then there's contemplation or action. It's a process of nailing down how to put God's word into action. It's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And God begins to show you where he wants to take you and how he wants to deal with the situation. And, and our time in the word leads us to action. How did James put it? But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, God will bless you for doing it. So God wants us to look carefully, just like we look into a mirror carefully to see our face. Some translations here say our natural face, or we look in the mirror to see the face of our birth. So, yeah, when we look into the mirror, we see the face that you were born with. And when you look into the Bible, the word, you see the spiritual face that you have. You, you see your new birth in Christ. And the Bible shows you exactly what you look like at any given moment. You can read it and you kind of just know where you're at in your standing before God. We see a couple of things. Number one, when we look into the Word, we see ourselves. We see our sinful condition. And we see the way that we need to remedy that. The way to come to Christ. And secondly, we see God. We look into the Word and it becomes the means by which God allows us to gaze upon Himself. We discover who He is. And we have a, have a sense of God and who he is and his love and his grace and his forgiveness. So some of our greatest discoveries in the reading of the word of God is just to catch deeper glimpses of God and awareness of his presence and awareness of his love and his care. I, I love the imagery of a man uh, looking carefully, almost bending over a mirror, probably a polished silver mirror, uh, not the quality that we have today by any means uh, back in those days, but he's looking over, he's bending, looking into the mirror. And I discovered it's the same word as John used in his gospel in John 20 verse 5 and verse 11 because it describes Peter as he bent over and he looked into the empty tomb. And then just a few verses later, it's the picture of Mary Magdalene when she wept and she also bent over to look into the tomb. So it's a very absorbing kind of look. 
before Eugene Peterson died here just a couple of weeks ago, they did a little video interview with him. And I watched it, uh, very brief, seven or eight minutes long, I think it was. And he made the comment uh, that as people go through life, he wishes that they would discover a couple of things. He, his admonition was uh, really to find out who you are, who you are, how God has made you, how, how you are uniquely made. There's only one of you, and God puts you on this earth special uh, to be who you are. So he, he was challenging people to really try to understand who you are and, and uh, know who you are and then live out who you are, who God has uniquely made you to be uh, in this world. <clears throat> and you know, you'll find the best way to do that is simply to ask God. Read his word and just ask him, Lord, who did you make me to be? How do you want me to live for you? Where do you want to take me from here? What do you want me to know about how you've made me? So that's the illustration you can look into a mirror and glance and walk away, and of course, nothing changes. Or you can gaze into a mirror, you can look very carefully, you can respond to what the mirror is telling you, and you can be, allow it to be a springboard to change your life. Well, that segues us to the third whistle stop, the application. And James says, now if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. If you're really careful with the word in your life, if you're really careful with the word in your life, and if you come humbly, and if you come to it with a teachable spirit, and you say, God, I'm, I'm prepared to follow, I'm prepared to obey what you say, then he will guide you into three significant aspects of living. <clears throat> first, your conversation. He'll tweak your tongue. That's one of the first things you'll do. Your conversation will begin to change. And gradually, you'll begin to lose some of those words uh, that are hurtful <clears throat> or profane uh, or, or words that are false or indicative of the old nature because there's a small little member of our body that resides in the mouth and it is oh, oh so small but does it ever have the capacity for both good and evil uh, we've been watching as you have the midterm elections of the US and and, and sometimes I my heart just sad uh, because of the spewing of the tongue, it can be so nasty and, and families get divided and um, political parties are divided, but it, it is so much more than that. It just impacts a whole nation and there's this nastiness that goes with it. It's, it's just all about that little member of the body called the tongue, which is out of control. But James says when you have the real thing, you will notice some changes in your conversations. 
So I read the story of the preacher uh, who had a hammer in his hand and, and uh, the congregation was having a work day and everybody was fixing stuff and cleaning the yard and so on. And the, the pastor had a hammer <clears throat> in hand and he noticed that one of the guys of the church always kind of tagged close to him wherever he went and he was kind of following him. Felt like he was stalking him and, and the, finally the preacher said, well, why? Why are, you, why are you just following me around? And the man answered, he's, he said, I'm just listening to hear what you say when you hit your thumb. I just want to know, what does the preacher say? So this curious guy understood that this would be an existential moment of truth when the preacher hit his thumb. So the word in action impacts our conversation, our tongue. The second word is compassion. In the economy of the first century world, orphans and widows were the most helpless people. They were the poorest of the poor in their day. And you know, uh, the heart of God is always to defend the helpless. Uh, here's John, 1 John 3, 16 and 17. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought also to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So when God really authentically touches our hearts, there will always be a response of compassion. It will just naturally flow out. It will be a, a, a response somehow, some way, Maybe orphans, maybe widows, maybe refugees, maybe str someone struggled with the, with the situation. Maybe half a nation like Yemen today that the, is starving to death and no one seems to be able to do anything. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's writing a check. Maybe it's putting a hamper together. Maybe it's a listening ear. This is such a great verse to memorize because the Spirit can take these words and prompt us to action, and we can apply it regularly. Well, the third response is conduct. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. Gazing into the Word, taking action, being doers of the Word, will be a protection for you so you can walk forward with a clean heart. You know, God specializes in stain removal. Uh, doctors, surgeons, wow, do they scrub down before they go into surgery. They scrub and they scrub and they scrub because they want to create an environment that is the best for the patient. They don't want to pass on any contamination. And God says, I will help you live in this world. This is a messy world. Oh, you wish things would just be so logical and linear and things would just... You, it is a messy world. And you have to engage this world. You have to get right in there. But God says, I'll give you the strength not to get filled with mud, not to get all stained in the process. Remember that nursery rhyme about the pussycat who went to London to see the queen? Forgotten that one? Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been up to London to visit the Queen. Pussycat, pussycat, what did you do there? I frightened a little mouse under her chair. 
Now imagine that, that a cat goes to London, but in our mind wastes a trip, doesn't go to visit Westminster Abbey, doesn't go to Big Ben, <clears throat> doesn't make a, a visit to famous St. Paul's Church. The, the cat just played under the queen's chair and frightened a mouse. Why? Well, the cat did that because it's a cat. It's a cat. It thinks like a cat. It acts like a cat. It reacts like a cat. And cats are always into mice. So even though you, you show a cat all the wonders of London, that feline is going to go to the mouse every time. That's the nature of a cat. You see, if we just glance into the word, oh, that's great, I did it today, and go on our way, we'll become satisfied with chasing mice, even though we're in the presence of royalty. God has made us kingdom people to reign with him. But we can settle for less. We can talk like people whose tongues have never been transformed by the grace of God. We can become callous to the great needs of the world and our community and our church and our family. And we can become stained by the world enough to keep us from experiencing the vitality of his presence. But that's what a pure and genuine religion looks like in the sight of God. And that's what, that's what James says to us. So three whistle stops. One is a command. The second is an illustration. And the third one is an application for James to say, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like day by day. Here you go and do this. Let's stand together as we pray. We're blessed today to have a couple of baptisms. Our prayers for Grace and for Noreen as they follow the Lord in the waters of baptism this morning. But let's pray. Uh, we, we pray, our Father, for transformation of our minds and our hearts. Uh, help us to always keep moving from information to transformation. Keep us moving from knowledge to obedience. Keep us moving from hearing to doing. And Lord, today, whatever you wanted us to hear, give us ears to hear it well and give us hearts to obey. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.